0: I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. Hey, it's Arlen. This is an old school bonus episode, maybe, because I'm recording it on my iPhone and not on any of my fancy mics that I have. I have traveling mics, then I have studio mics at home. But back in the day when I did Bootstrapped VC, the podcast, which I encourage you to check out uh, archives of, um, anytime I started, you know, had a thought, I would just open up uh, the voice memo on my iPhone and that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm in San Francisco. I am going to speak at an event and a few, a couple of events actually today and um, just kind of, you know, waking up and looking at the, looking at the news in general, which is mind boggling, but looking at work right now, there's so many opinions about it and so many thoughts. And and I wanted to tweet out something, but then I thought, you know, a tweet sometimes or oftentimes doesn't get across what I'm thinking. And then of course it can be taken out of context. And back in the day, I used to have a like um a video radio show. No, that doesn't work. It was a video show, but I would just kind of jump on and talk about current events uh with a live online audience and I really miss that and um, I'm thinking about figuring out how to do that again but this is what this feels like I feel like I want to have a a conversation about this and there's no one here so I thought I would record it and throw it on on the interwebs here's what I wanted to talk about so we work we work okay where do we start first of all I have a love-hate relationship with we work because when I first First, if you've heard in my story, heard my story and you know that I got a I wasn't wasn't doing well for a long time and then I got my first investor ever in the fall of 2015 and I was in Silicon Valley at the time. And I hadn't, you know, didn't have certainly didn't have an office because I didn't even have a place to live most nights. And when I got that first uh operating capital. The first thing I did was I got on a plane to Los Angeles where I had, I had lived previously and felt like home. I had network there. And I, within days, had a floating desk uh, membership at a WeWork in Hollywood that was in walking distance to where I was staying. And this, was, this would have been the fall of 2015, so four years ago and i was so excited about this and um i remember it being i felt really proud i felt like i have i have an office i have a place to go and work and plug in <laughs> you know literally and figuratively i have a place I, I wasn't necessarily i'm an introvert so i wasn't necessarily going there for networking that wasn't the the idea even though that was a big part of the culture at we work at that time I wasn't there for that, but I was there for, I have a, a desk to sit at. I have Wi-Fi, fast Wi-Fi. I have a place for people to meet me. I, I was so um, thrilled when I would have meetings and I use my my credits, you know, the the meeting credits, uh, the conference room credits. It was, I was printing things. <laughs> it, was, it was just, um, it, it took me back to a time where I had that at home. Or where I would work at a at a place, um, but it was mine and it felt the way I think we work wanted it to feel. That's how I felt. It felt like there was hope and it was new and there were possibilities. And that was just with a, a roving desk account. And of course it could have happened anywhere at any co-working spot, I, I believe. But I, I, I believe that WeWork was so, so transformative with how they uh, approached it at, the, at that time. So I had that for a while. And then as my team grew uh, by one and two people, I then went to a West Hollywood location. And in addition to my near my home Hollywood location, I had a West Hollywood location and uh that became the closest to my home and i had a an actual office for two people so it had two desks and it was it was tiny right but again it was so it was like i was growing things were happening i got my logo the backstage logo was on the the window it was it was legit got mail sent there we were greeted when we walked in by a really, really nice uh, group at the Librea office who I, you know, I think about because I think about, I hope that they're, they have job security and probably shouldn't be worried about that. But, you know, I, I, I care about that sort of thing because they were a part of my life for a couple of years and had many meetings. Some of you may have met me there and it was a small room and eventually uh, I only visited there maybe once a quarter and other people were working out of it and then we went, we expanded even more so we got another location in Santa Monica and that location could hold six people and it was our base for a very uh important part of our of our life and it was a backstage studio uh headquarters we would meet there for our Team meetings. So even if you didn't work out of that location, when we had our team meetings, you would work out of there, and uh, then we would use other we works. So I'm getting to my point. As it grew, and as time went on, and as I personally was spending more money, because a, a lot of the money in those days, and still actually, but a lot of the money and for the operations came from my pocket for backstage. As I was spending thousands and thousands of dollars per month at WeWork for multiple locations for our team and it being our go-to, the experience started to deteriorate for us and for me. I would more often, and this never happened at the La Brea location, but it happened at the Santa Monica location and it happened at other locations where we were visiting, I would often be treated poorly. And I I do feel like it was uh, it was race related and it was microaggressions where um, people didn't think I was supposed to be there. And people kind of looked me up and down at the front desk. And I, I would be going in and be paying like three thousand dollars for this particular location or or more or total, you know, more than 5000 if we're talking about all of the locations, which for us is a lot of money. And I would be sort of relegated. Now, when my white male co-worker would come in, he would be kind of handed the keys to the kingdom, and it would be no problem. And he would, in fact, sometimes they would actually ask him if it was okay for me to be there. And this is, you know... So I'm I'm the founder <laughs> and so I started noticing I was like oh okay this is a weird culture I also didn't really love the the beer on tap uh, there were a lot of times where some of the people that were in that were customers that we work they would say certain things that I would hear in the converse, in conversation um, there were a few things that happened and I, I started to understand I was like oh this is not good so but one day in New York City, when I went to visit uh, their HQ for a meeting with WeWork to talk to them about, uh, ironically, to talk to them about diversity, my mom was with me. And um, as you, some of you may know, she travels with me quite a bit these days. She is a, a, a jet setter these days. And uh, she was, we were on our way to Europe from New York like that, that evening. And so I was going to stop here, have this meeting um, uh, with with coworkers and with WeWork, and then we were going to go to the airport for you know ten hour flight or something. So my mom wanted to get more more luggage, so she's sitting in the the lobby at WeWork. And I mean, for seconds, I, I'm leave, I, I stand up to go to the elevator to, to go to this meeting, and she's going to sit down and, and open up her app so she can get a lift or something and go and get this luggage while I'm in this meeting. And so she sits for a second, and I separate from her. And all of a sudden, I hear a woman uh, uh, harassing her, a woman that works at WeWork, harassing her. And... Asking her why she's there, what she's doing, et cetera, et cetera. And this woman is, you know, 70, pushing 70 at this time and having a seat and and she's going to go out. And so I don't go to the elevator, I come back and I'm like, is there a problem? And then the woman sort of steps to attention and she's like, oh, no, 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 no problem here. No problem here. And I kind of explain what's going on. And and I was like, this is incredible. This is incredible. So I take that information upstairs, and I tell them upstairs that that just happened, and that I share with them my experience in these other locations on the West Coast. And I, it falls on deaf ears. It really does. It doesn't, there's no, there's nothing, there's a a kind of a quick apology that you do as being polite, but there was nothing that penetrated, right? Nothing that really, and I heard this over and over again uh, from other people that they had these experiences, whether it was race-related, mostly um, gender. It was mostly like uh, this culture, this bro, quote-unquote, culture that was untamed and that was not being addressed. And, you know, for months, uh, to be candid, for months we tried as backstage to to be helpful to WeWork. We really did. Uh, I won't get into the details, but we tried for months to be helpful to them. And it never really went anywhere. And I know that there were some people who worked at WeWork who were very earnest and very, very much so wanted things to work out. But the, the higher-ups were not giving them the tools to do so. So, so then I'm um, at the top of this year, top of 2019. I'm now invited to speak at a WeWork event, and they're going to pay me uh, several thousand dollars, which is um, a discount to my speaking fee. But it's also local event, a local event, so I it it, you know would be very be great to to make that. Uh, fee and to have that exposure and experience and, and networking and all sorts of things that can happen. And, and who knows what happens at this event, you know? There were some celebrities there, and it was going to be cool. And I turned it down. I said, you know what? I, um, I, don't, I don't feel like they when I go in as me, when I go as as my full self, I don't feel like I'm treated well and there have been many times where people have treated me a certain way before they know that I'm associated with something else, right? And I don't want I don't want you to treat me anyway. <laughs> I don't want you to treat me nice because you know something about me when 5 minutes ago you treated me a different way. That's not cool. Or if I see you treat other people poorly, I don't want to be associated with that. So I just was like, you know what? I'll pass. And um and it was it was a decision. I, I thought about it for a while, but I, I said no. I'm going to pass, and that was that. They caught wind of it because I think I had said yes to it originally. I hadn't signed anything, but I think I did say yes. And then I thought about it, and then said no. And I thought about the there was um sexual harassment suit against them and all sorts of things. So I I, just, I ended up saying no. And so they they had someone call me um, and bypass sort of my um, my speaker. Uh, agent, they they called me and we had this call like to kind of suss out why I was saying no, and I don't know what the rest of their agenda was. So I get on the phone with this woman who is an executive and who I guess has been sent in to kind of talk me down and, and get me there because they they want me to to do it, and I I I'm actually open to this because I'm like okay well maybe this is a learning experience. Maybe this is, maybe we finally do get a uh, breakthrough here because they are calling me and it sounds like it's not something they're just willing to let go. So maybe this is the moment. So I get on the phone and I start to explain what I just explained here, these different occasions where I felt like I was slighted or people I care about were slighted or have heard these stories time and time again. And, and how much I love we work, <laughs> the, the concept, and how much it has meant to my life uh, going in, and uh, since this journey at backstage. And the woman very condescendingly says to me, literally, and, and get ready for it, because this, this is a masterclass and what not to do in this situation. She says to me, I'm sorry you think that happened to you. I'll give you a moment to let that marinate. I'm sorry you think that happened to you. <clears> hmm. <throat> so then I knew. <laughs> I said, "Well, you know what? That is actually wow." I was like, "No, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and just pass altogether. That's just that's exactly what I needed to know from you all." And she started to kind of argue with me, and we we, sh- we shut that down. So that was that. So then, even more recently, um, I was connected. Uh, I, I'm not going to say who connected me because I don't know if they want me to say it, but I, I'll say it online if they do. But I was connected to the WeWork co founder, Miguel, who is their, uh, he's one of two co founders and he's also their chief culture officer. And what I knew about him was that he was very different than Adam. And that he was super low-key, but I had seen him sort of talking about We Live, which that's a whole other story. I wanted to—I was actually applied for a We Live in D.C., and then Trump was elected, so I canceled that. But that tells you how much into this culture I was, 2016, 15, et cetera. But I knew that he was pretty like laid back and that he um, was out of the spotlight, and I didn't know much else. And so I went in uh, um, blazing with him and I told him and his team and everybody again, you know, this was a few months later. I'm like, OK, so this is a, I don't know why I gave it so much um, of a chance. I think I think if I'm being honest, it's because we work with such a big and such a big company. And it, the, the concept of it being all over the world and being this sort of place that you could. You know, you know what you're getting yourself into. I felt like with 100 plus portfolio companies and growing that Backstage has and with us growing, I just felt like there's a really interesting way for us to work together. And it, it kind of it annoyed me and it frustrated me that they were not seeing that and they didn't understand the value. Now, I've had people come back from there and say, I can't believe they didn't see the value who work there, but that's a different story. So we'll go back to this conversation with Miguel. And Miguel actually becomes an investor in our Accelerator Fund. He's one of about a dozen investors. Um, and the fund probably has uh a little less than five percent of the fund and i I appreciate that and i i um it's an interesting conversation I have with him one of the conversations I had with him he was walking to uh pick up his child at school, and that was a very uh that was high priority for him. It was like you know we we can have this conversation, but af you know this is a boundary that I have, which is after I finish this walk, I'm with my child, and that's what I do, and I really you know i took count of i took note of that, and um we've been able to text each other and have an interesting conversation. I haven't talked to him through all of this. I've sent him a couple of of texts early on in in this mess and made a couple of suggestions to him about his board and things like that. But I haven't heard from him and I I can't imagine what he's what he's feeling right now or what sort of loss this is and the loss that it is because he's chief culture officer is probably he's thinking about the 2000 or so people who have been laid off now. And, for, and personally, himself, this thing that he built, this, this rocket ship, um, I'd be curious to know how he feels about it and would be excited to um, interview him about it and be excited to interview anybody from the WeWork organization about this. So I guess the point of this is that I wanted to just talk about, it. I want to vent a little bit and I also wanted to like show how complex and nuanced and textured This whole thing is it's not one or the other because there are thousands of employees, not to mention the customers all over the world. So, you know, I I don't sit over here in the corner and say, "Oh, laugh about this downfall. I don't have any joy from this downfall because of all the people who are associated with it. Um, And I. I, It's a whole thing, I don't I don't um, I don't envy anybody in this. There, there's no one that I see in this situation who has become a winner except for uh, the niche co-working spots that have really been biding their time and been, been very thoughtful about their experience, the customer experience. And I will full disclosure say that I am a I said this in the last episode with uh, Josh Wyatt from Neuhaus. I am uh, an advisor to Jane, VC. sorry, not Jane VC, to Jane Club. I'm an advisor to Jane Club in Los Angeles, and I am a friend and and investor in The Riveter. And I think both of those uh, companies are doing a a fantastic job, I mean, an incredible job of figuring out their niche. I also think Neuhaus, we just had this, uh I just had this interview with Josh Wyatt, the CEO of Neuhaus, who I have no affiliation with, but I uh live near one of them and have been there and um I think it's pretty cool. Uh that's an episode we just had, check that out, to hear his thoughts. I think that they're doing a really great job because they're being so thoughtful and like uh methodical and meticulous with their strategy. I think Ethel's Club and um, Gathering Spot on the East Coast, so New York, Ethel's Club for women of color and uh, others, and Gathering Spot in Atlanta run by a couple of men, uh, black men. And I think they're expanding, and that's, exci- that's exciting to me. I think all those spots are really cool, uh, Tech Square Labs, I believe, in, in, in Atlanta is what it's called. Uh, Paul Judge and, and, and Rodney Sampson, that group. Um, I'm excited by those niche companies. I'm still excited about WeWork. And to be honest, if someone at SoftBank or WeWork wanted to holler at me and, and see how, how I could be helpful there, I have some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to tell y'all for three years uh so you you might want you might wanna uh bring me in to have a conversation. I won't even charge you one point seven billion dollars to do it all right, these are my thoughts. people have been asking I've also been compelled to talk about it uh so i I just wanted to to get that out I should get ready for the day here and um I'll see you in another episode i'm uh Again, this is being recorded on my iPhone, so it's not the same quality as the, the mics that we normally use. So it's just, you're hearing me top of the dome, straight from the hip, the dome, all of that. And I don't know quite uh, what's next, but if you have an opinion, I'd love to hear from you. DM me on Instagram. Arlen was here. A-R-L-A-N was here. On Twitter, send me a tweet. There, there are a lot of things happening in the world. A lot of big, important things happening in the world right now, and this—I don't think this is super high up there, uh, priority-wise, for most people. But I think about how many—I think about the fact that statistically, Black women startup founders shared. $260 million of of, uh, venture capital last year of the $130 billion that was deployed. We shared it, thousands of us shared that. And I think about that and then the the free reign and the unwieldiness and the, the, uh, it just, uh, it insults me. I find it insulting. I find it insulting. I think SoftBank and WeWork, I know they have a lot to think about, but I think they should should find some black women who are experts to help them right now. It does not have to be me for sure, but I think they need some help. And I think that there's a way to turn this around that would be kind of a uh, happy ending. And right now, I just feel insulted. So I wanted to talk about it. Hey, it's my podcast. I can talk about it. I can have an opinion. You may not agree with me. Uh, some of you may not agree with me. Some of you may agree with me. But this is what this is, is free speech is and... I really welcome your, your conversation about it. Um, yeah, I'll talk to y'all soon. Hey, so I'd love to talk to you and keep the conversation going. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Arlen was Here. That's A-R-L-A-N, was here. Stick around too, because I will let you know when my new book is going to be in pre-order. Now that's coming out in uh, 2020. It'll be out as the real book oh my goodness and it'll be you'll be able to pre-order it most likely this year so stay tuned i'll let you know all about that on twitter on instagram and on this podcast